This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today, Dispatch Live is talking to Lincoln Marley, the author of Blazing a Trail. Lincoln Marley has been a banking phenomenon in that he has restored the dignity to all people. Lincoln, your book, Blazing a Trail, Lessons for Africa Leadership. It has vaulted right up into the best-selling business books. And having read your book over a weekend, I must add, I found your lessons amazing. Thank you. Specifically, one of the quotes that you put in there, which was the African proverb, proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Could that be a almost an epitaph for you when you eventually move off? Yes, I I think that for for me, I I found that the dominant uh, business philosophy for leadership did not resonate with me because it was built on the all-knowing, omnipresent CEO, leader, or president. But in reality, it takes hundreds and thousands of people aligned towards a larger purpose, motivated by what drives them personally, but also what helps an organization to achieve anything. And so I kind of found that the direction of travel in the corporate world did not resonate with me. It was not in line with my value system. I didn't want to be somebody's boss, somebody's lord, somebody's um, you know monster. I wanted to be a normal human being and work with people from across different race groups, different ages, different geographies towards a common goal. And Everything we've done and, and, and achieved, we've done it as a group. And it's been amazing for me to hear uh, people I've worked with connect with the book because it's their story, it's our story, and it's what we've done and achieved together. The interesting part from that is that of all the industries, perhaps banking and mining, or the, and the army obviously and the police, or the most draconian. So how did your colleagues take your fresh approach to treating people as people? I think in the beginning, um, there was a sense of, <laughs> let's wait and see whether this guy is going to succeed with this thing. Um, among the staff, there was also some disbelief, uh, whether it's just an act, is this something for show? How long is this going to last? But because for me, this was what I was used to. This is what I had learned from a very young age to treat everybody with respect and dignity. And it's something I've also observed with amazing leaders like Matiba and others. I thought the only way is to just continue to do what I do. And as more success was achieved, more people started taking notice. 
And we'll just continue to do this um, in different business units that I've been uh, blessed to, to, to lead, um, in different countries where I was uh, asked to lead. And all of that, um, you know, resulted in not only just great business results, it resulted in people's growth. It, it, sucks. it, it resulted in people... Uh, you know, achieving their own objectives, whether it was study further, whether it was getting married, buying a car, buying all of these things. So that, for me, uh, meant much more uh, value than just simply saying I've succeeded. So, so yeah, I mean, I think uh, hopefully the book does show a different path, that it is possible to succeed without being mean, without being evil, without being brutal uh, to others. If I take you back to your youth, your late father, Mswandili Wellington Mali, advised you as a youth that the best weapon against apartheid was education. And he further said, do the right things. You've had an enormous education. Do you want to just run through it quickly for us, please? Yes, um, my father um, challenged us when we didn't want to go back to school at, at high school, and uh, through his, um, you know, guidance, uh, we were able to go back to school. I was able to to finish my matric. I was able to study at Rhodes, uh, did my BA and later an LLB. Uh, I almost got uh, expelled from Rhodes. Still uh, involved with my uh, 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 student activism. Uh, later on, went to do um, you know programs at Wits, uh, University of Joburg, uh, GMIT, uh, at Duke University, and and then later on uh, did a uh, an MBA with the Henley Business School based in the UK, and then did an advanced uh, program in management with the uh, with the Harvard Business School. But throughout all of that, um, my father's sense was it's not just about the, 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 the qualifications. It's about growth as a person. It's about learning from each and every environment, learning from each and every person, and making sure that you remain grounded uh, as a person. And, 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 and leadership is lifelong learning. So besides the academic um, you know, learning, I've, I've learned a lot from people from different environments, from different uh, cultures, from different countries, uh, to, 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 to become a much more well-rounded person uh, over time. So I, I owe a lot uh, to my late father for the direction that he gave me at a very early age. In the book, you quote several um, incidences where you had been promoted or you wanted to do different things and paraphrasing what your dad said was are you doing the right thing can you think of a couple of incidences where you had to think is this the right thing and then you went ahead with the right thing Yes, there, there were a number of things in 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 my corporate life um, where the, the popular thing would have been either to acquiesce or, or be silent, uh, but the right thing would be to stand up uh, for what you believe and, and do the right thing. So I'll just give a, a couple of examples. The, the one example was we had made a decision uh, to pull a, 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 a two provinces together into one province to get uh, you know saving uh, from that. One of the teams 
uh, that was involved were very junior people that were in a call center. And the the FD of our business unit came and said, actually, guys, there are no uh, costs, benefits we're going to get from this. We've made the wrong decision. We said there is a leadership team. We could have skipped over this and plowed ahead. But we knew the right thing was to own up. So we went uh, to address those staff members in Pretoria, and they'd been through two or three months of pain of having to contemplate moving to Johannesburg. And it was a moving thing uh, to see how they responded, the emotions uh, of all of us crying on the day. It was about doing the right thing. Uh, another time, we had a very difficult retrenchment process uh, at Steinbank um, around 2010. And there was a formula to how the retrenchments were going to take place. But I felt that that formula was flawed. I thought that it was not uh, in line with Ubuntu. I thought that it made more sense in the UK and the US, where sometimes people just are asked to leave and they take their boxes and leave. And so I asked the leadership um, to contemplate a different path and, and challenge them on this. And to their credit, uh, it was scary. They, 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 they agreed uh, to that. Uh, there are many other examples on the continent where people would have told me to do things in a particular way in this country because this is how things are done sitting from head office, but I thought that the right thing is to engage people in those countries, understand them, understand their dynamics and their nuances, and build relationships with them and get them on, on, on the organization side. So, so all of those things had my father's imprint um, on them, and my father and many other people that I, I think were the true leaders uh, that I learned from from a very young age. And so that that's made me to un, always kind of look for my true north and try and stay on that true north, no matter what the pressures or the seductions may be. You have to actually know what your true north is. And what has also helped me is to have a circle of advisors, uh, of people that know me well, who are my friends and family, who can only tell me when I'm getting it wrong. And my wife is a self-appointed leader of that uh, council of advisors. Uh, she gives regular solicited and unsolicited advice, but it, it helps you to it helps to keep you grounded as a person and as a leader. There were a few incidences where the old colonial thinking north of South Africa got in the way, and I know that people left the company because they they would not change their minds. But you established some incredible teams and not only teams that you work with, these people were overjoyed to see you when you used to come to visit, even after you left their direct sphere of influence. That must have been thrilling for you. Yeah, I, I think that what I learned over the years is that leadership is not a title held or a position assumed or a promotion achieved uh, or a status uh, acquired. It's actually a profound influence felt. And, and there's a reason why people like Madiba, after so many years, people still connect and resonate with him because of how he made people feel, how he treated people. And, and, and that, for me, was always the, the, the image I had with every interaction, every person I met, didn't matter which country, didn't matter how many people, didn't matter their rank, how could I treat this person, you know, with dignity and respect? 
And as a result, through the years, people I've worked with uh, over the years, um, those relationships have become more stronger. Um, I've been overwhelmed by the support from the book, from the people I've worked with. I've been overwhelmed by input that I asked. Uh, I thought I would ask 10 people, 20 people. In the end, it was about 250 people uh, who gave detailed feedback on questions that I had asked, which helped uh, you know, to, to counterbalance what I might remember with what their experience was. So I think for all of us as leaders, it, it's not only important to, 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 to lead and be there, but it's always to have a dipstick, to have a sense of how people feel. Of course, there is no leader, even Madiba, who will please everybody. There, of course, there will be people that you, you hurt along the way. There will be people that you disappoint along the way. But as a leader, it's so important that that must be in the minority. You can't be a leader that's proud to have broken so many people, hurt so many people, destroyed so many people just for uh, you know, corporate glory. Uh, it's important to build people with you, but also be firm. Uh, when there are performance issues, you have to have a conversation with people. You have to be fair with them. You have to be transparent with them. And that's what I hope the next generation will take. It, it, it's not good to be a leader that's all well-liked, but there's no performance. Uh, that's a leader that's well-liked, but the customers are not happy, or the shareholders are not happy. So you, you have to, in many ways, be like a parent. You know, you, I, I don't like what I call good news parents. <laughs> good news parents are those parents whose children can do no wrong. That's not right. I also don't like what I call bad news parents, where children can do no right. I think as a parent or as a leader, when things are going well, you must celebrate publicly with your team. When things don't go right, you reprimand privately. And, and, and that's the kind of motto I've, I've adopted in my life, is to say as a leader, lead from the front with a flag and not behind with a whip. Um, then you inspire people to do the right thing because they believe in it. From your book, you clearly enjoyed your time with Standard Bank and Standard Bank's people. Yes. But at one stage, you did criticize them. And that was yes. for not pursuing the unbanked aggressively enough. Can you take us through that story, please? Yes, I, I think sometimes what people do is that when they leave organizations, they trash organizations. There's no way I could have spent 20 years leading people to believe in Standard Bank. And when I leave Standard Bank, suddenly I'm saying Standard Bank is a bad company. My criticism of Standard Bank, which is a criticism I've done in the 20 years inside Standard Bank, whenever I thought something was not right, I would tell the leaders in the structure of the organization. But my biggest disappointment of myself, because I couldn't persuade the organization, and of the organization because it could not see the opportunity, was that we saw what the future of financial inclusion looked like in South Africa. We saw what uh, a future mass market uh, banking would look like and, and, and providing financial access to people who didn't have banking. At the time, Standard Bank was the leading bank in the mass market. It had a relationship with the African Bank, one of the first banks to provide uh, lending. Uh, through African Bank in a, in a JV. 
when we were, uh, um, you know, uh, putting to, together a presentation to the leadership, we called it Access to Empowerment Finance. And we were saying, guys, the future of this country is going to be built on a huge number of people that are currently unbanked or underbanked who will join the banking system. We must change our distribution, our product set, our technology and everything to be ready for these people so that we can grow with them. The organization didn't see that because I think that it was locked in its success at the time with the customers that it had and could not see that opportunity. And Capital, that was very small at the time, saw that opportunity. And you remember those adverts? They would say, "Look at your bank," and then they would, and then they started growing. Capitec today is the biggest bank by customers in the retail bank, and it serves customers on all segments uh, because of its proposition. Secondly, uh, Capitec is now moving into the business banking space uh, because it's seen other opportunities. And thirdly. Capitec has been able to take that same group of customers and digitize many of their day-to-day banking needs. And they've won the, the support of customers and they've been voted best uh, you know, bank in the world a couple of times and their share price has been rocketing. So my disappointment was we had that opportunity and as a final bank group, we didn't see that opportunity. And and so when I when I when I was promoted instead of the organization responding to what I put on the table, I was very upset and I took my anger out at writing my MBA dissertation on this matter. And when Capitec was doing its thing, I kept on looking at my dissertation. I was like, these are the things I was talking about. And that's the power of writing, because if I was criticizing the organization but I'd never written that, you know, they would say, No, nah, you never said that but you know, they was in a dissertation published, and yeah. So that is a disappointment I have. But the organization, you know, might have disappointed me in that aspect, but it it it, it overcompensated with all the opportunities that it gave me, uh, the growth that it gave me, the investment that it gave into me, and more importantly, the opportunity to work on the continent for, for the last 20 years. Uh, I think that's been amazing. And the great relationships I've built um, with amazing customers and people over the 20 years. You now have a very exciting new challenge. Do you pronounce it Lusaka? Yes. Okay, at Lusaka. Yes. Where you have products and services that are probably aimed at where Capitec was, not, di- not directly, but you're also dealing with people that are not that affluent. Do you want to please tell us a little bit about your role and where you hope it's going? Yes, I think the, 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 the I never thought I would ever leave Star Bank. I've never spoken to another company or go to coffee for anybody because my, my entire life was Star Bank. But when I was approached uh, to head up the South African uh, operations of a company called NetOne, <laughs> I was scared and terrified. Because NetOne had gone through a huge scandal that involved the social grants uh, payment, where the contract between FASA and the NetOne or CPF, a subsidiary of NetOne, was declared, uh, you know, unlawful by the constitutional court. So people said to me, "How on earth 
can you go to a company like that? But for me, here were new shareholders. Here was a new board, which was willing to invest in uh, uh, extending financial services to the underserved. And this was a company that was now making losses after it lost the contract. They had a big reputational problem, uh, huge morale issues. And I thought this was probably the challenge I needed in this phase of my life. And so for the last 16 months, we've been involved in turning the business around. Uh, we've repositioned the business with different stakeholders, uh, chiefs, uh, traditional leaders, SASA, government, Red Bank, and others. Uh, two, we've rebranded the organization Lisaka, which means the crawl in Sutu and Swana, so that we talk about how valuable these assets are uh, to the most underserved. And thirdly, we've bought uh, another company called the Connect Group, which focuses more on spaza shops and village shops and provides services to those shops. And we are on the brink of making that business to become profitable within a 16-month uh, period. It's been a, a fascinating journey of learning, uh, of unlearning a lot of the things I brought from a corporate and seeing how technology and new products uh, you know, can actually help the poor and underserved uh, you know, to make their lives uh, much better. So we serve uh, social grant uh, recipients and we serve uh, uh, merchants or, or shopkeepers that are in spaza shops in villages and uh, in townships. And we're trying to digitize their world and make uh, their life much more uh, uh, easier. And so it's been a fascinating journey, uh, growing with a new team and, and, and reconnecting the organization with its customers and with its stakeholders. And... Uh, yeah, um, I can't wait for, for the day we get to, to, to that profitability, which is a couple of months away, and, and it will vindicate the stance that I took uh, of going uh, into this environment for a larger purpose. The Mali Magics is soon going to be rubbed off on the poor. Will you guys take over the distribution of grants? Is that in the, in the no. possible? No, I think what, what, what we saw was that the old model where uh, our organization got into trouble was that it owned the entire grant process uh, through a contract it had with the government. We believe that there must be more competition and there must be more choice. Ourselves, banks, retailers, and other players must help in making sure that the grant disbursement, uh, you know, gives dignity and respect to uh, the underserved. Uh, things of people being paid, uh, you know, in an open field, those kinds of things are not giving dignity uh, to the poor. Uh, it's also costly and it's got security uh, challenges. What we're trying to do is to partner uh, with retailers. For example, we are moving our branches uh, into retailers like Boxer, OBC, Dryalani, which are in the community. We are also experimenting making some of the spaza shops to be able to pay out grants 
which is closer to a person where a person is, rather than everybody come to town and spend a lot of money. We are also experimenting with how can we get somebody to get a grant on their phone. And then at the right time, they can go and buy anywhere. So we're trying to create all sorts of ways to ease the kind of uh, pressure that we've got today where we've got long queues and we're working with government, FASA and others and other organizations to make sure that we change the current environment that we've got. We've heard that now, for example, the SRD grant, uh, which were temporary, will now be extended until 2024, which means probably another 8 or 9 million people will enter the grant space on a much more semi-permanent basis. Now they have to be served somewhere. So we've got to get creative ways of how to do that between banks, between retailers, between ourselves and others, ATMs, post devices, and so on, to give people that dignity and respect. So as the community becomes even more accustomed to dealing with cell phones and that sort of thing, so your business will ramp up. Indeed. Indeed, because um, when, when most people think of social grants, they think of old age grants. The reality in South Africa is that the old age grant is 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 a is a is a smaller component of the overall grants in the country. The child support grant is the biggest, and those are young people that all have phones, and they are more uh, savvy, uh, you know, than probably the more older people. The uh, the SRD grant, the, 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 which is now going to be semi-permanent and 2024, has got also young people, mostly male, and those will also enter the system now in a much more semi-permanent basis until 2024, depending on what happens with government. Now, that cohort, you want them to already start to use technology. We want them to use an app. We want them to, to link up with internet to be able to access their financial services. And so we want to be physical when people require to be physical, but digital when people are able to do that digitally. And I think over time, customers will be able to navigate both the digital world and the physical world because cash remains dominant in many of our societies. So you've got a number of interesting targets ahead so we shouldn't be holding our breath for blazing another trail. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's only been a month. <laughs> it's only been a month. Uh, but for now, it's, it's just been humbling, um, you know, the response uh, from people, uh, the feedback, as, as you also generously gave about how they uh, uh, found the book. Uh, and, and that for me is, has been pleasing and, and I hope it can, you know, um, you know, inspire a lot of people to walk a different path to the path that we see now, especially on, on issues of ethics. I think that in, in the public sector and in the private sector, we need, uh, ethical leaders. Uh, our country's challenges, uh, you know, uh, are going to get worse if we have unethical leaders who use resources uh, and trusted to them, who use positions and trusted to them to benefit themselves, their friends and their families at the expense of the broader public. Lincoln Marley, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Good luck with your Thank challenges. You, Appreciate it. Goodbye. And thanks for the opportunity. Your Cheers. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye. All right.